Hey, everybody. You're listening to the Phillips Life Group Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. These are lessons from a young couple's Sunday morning life group at Bellevue Baptist Church. My name is Chris Phillips, your host and teacher for our life group. And our young couple's life group consists of engaged, newlywed, or new parent couples in their 20s and early 30s. We'd love to have you join us on a Sunday morning at 11 a.m. if you can. But if you can't, thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisUT or check us out on Facebook at Phillips Life Group. Thanks so much, and I hope you enjoy the lesson. favor turn to Galatians 6 Galatians 6 so what is authentic what's authentic mean genuine genuine okay real as opposed to okay so like real food real fake food well what are we talking about when we think authentic what do we typically think of we, true colors. We do talk food, right? Right? Authentic Mexican, authentic, you know, whatever. We have all of that. But now in this context, what are we talking about? Truthful living. Truthful living. Why would this be a topic that we need to talk about? Because it's kind of rare now. Because it's rare. We don't really know how to do it. We don't see it, nor do we live it out. That's between the church and the house. Yeah. Okay. I didn't get to hear service. Was Scott good? Yeah. He's an evangelist. You know what you're going to get with him. I'm sure he was awesome. So he's a great, great pastor. I was, we have uh, something in the gym tonight. So I was raising and lowering goals, sweating like crazy. Um, but uh, so authentic. So when you think just first, first glance, when you say, hey, live an authentic life, what do you think? So being the same person no matter where you are. Not putting on a front for anybody, right? Not trying to make yourself look better than you actually are or not trying to make yourself look like that person you want to be, but actually who you are. Okay, what else? Give me one more. When you think authentic lives. Man, that's a big one, right? Because sometimes even in our Christian walk, we try to be somebody God didn't make us, right? Maybe I want to be a teacher or an administrator, or I want to be this type of pastor, or I want to do this, right? So, oh, I, I hear these different pastors, these different people, and so maybe I want to sound like Matt Chandler, or maybe I want to sound like uh, Mark Driscoll, or Brother Steve, or somebody like that, right? So even preachers, and pastors, and believers, and disciple makers, right? Maybe I'm going to do my disciple making this way. I'm going to do this plan, this program, when it's outside of our comfort zone just because somebody else did it, right? Maybe I write a book because somebody else wrote a book and it got popular, right? So I'm going to write about this particular thing. But there's a, just a, a real nice piece about being exactly who God made us to be, which is a filthy rag sinner, right? And we don't really want anybody to know that we're filthy rag sinners, we just we want to put on our Sunday best, our bow ties and our pocket squares and all of that kind of stuff. And we just want to tell people, oh, hey, y'all, I'm great, man. How you doing? So good to see you. Right. Like you just finished gossiping about that person 
telling someone how you can't stand them or their kids or whatever else. They walk up, you're like, Wayne, it's awesome, dude. How you doing, buddy? I didn't say that about you, Wayne. I didn't say that about you. And, uh, right? I mean, has anybody, anybody ever been there and done that? Like, don't, don't throw stones like we do that, right? Somebody just gets on your nerves, kind of rubs you the wrong way. You don't want to confront them and tell them about whatever it is that they offended you with. And so instead of, of biblically approaching someone with something that's going on, you walk up to them and be like, awesome, dude. How are you doing, man? It's been so long. It's great. We should hang out sometime. And you're thinking in the back of your head, I am never hanging out with this person. Right? Am I the only one that's like this? Or are y'all just, okay, we're hiding it. Uh, all right, so... Turn with me to Galatians 6. I'm going to read it, then I'll pray, and then we'll go into some stories about it. By the way, authentic is of undisputed origin. Genuine, real, bona fide, true are some of the words that, that uh, definitions for it. Uh, so Galatians 6, chapter one, uh, verse 1, uh, it says, Bear one another's burdens is the highlight in mine, right? So the title. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself. Oh, good. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let me pray. Father, you're good to us. I thank you for today. I thank you for these men and women uh, that are here. Uh, Lord, to hear your word, I thank you for Scott Dawson, Lord, preaching uh, the gospel. Uh, Lord, I pray that it resonates in the hearts of many, uh, Lord, many lost people, Lord, but uh, every time I hear the gospel presented in such a clear manner, uh, Father, it gives me joy and peace and a renewed hope and strength in you. And so I pray that it does the same for those who are there. I pray today that as we talk about living authentic lives and bearing one another's burdens, God, that you impress upon us our need to live an authentic community uh, with others. Lord, whether in life group or family or wherever that may be, God, that you would just give us that authenticity uh, that you call us to, uh, being the people that you made us to be, Lord, and desire us to be. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so... Can I pick up in Galatians 6 and just automatically know what's going on? No? Why can't I do that? I need to know the context. So, who wrote Galatians? And there's five chapters before, right? This is the last chapter in Galatians. There's five chapters before, so that would be like picking up at the very end of a movie and walking up and being like, yes, I understood all of it. Like Ocean's Eleven, right? Like if you picked up the last 30 minutes of Ocean's Eleven, you're probably going... I had no idea what's going on. It's been a long time since I've seen Ocean's Eleven, but I know that there's a lot of moving parts in that one. So uh, there's a lot of moving parts in Galatians. So who wrote the book of Galatians? Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul. Okay, what do we know about Paul? Right? So like he was like ISIS. Okay? Paul was ISIS. Killing Christians everywhere. Beheading them. Running in the streets. Pulling them out of their homes. Like he was, we don't think about this, right? We, we kind of forget this as we're walking through because I don't want to think about ISIS ever being able to do anything good. Like I don't want to think that only by God's grace am I not someone like Paul or ISIS or whatever else. But basically they're ISIS, killing Christians because of their beliefs and everything. Obviously it's not in a different God or anything like that, but kind of like ISIS. So Paul, then he's radically converted, and he now what? 
Somebody over in our group said super Christian. I think it was you said super. Like, he's like ultimate super Christian. The guy is like knowledgeable, doctrine, theology, application, reaching the Jews and the Gentiles. Like, my guy's in, right? And so he's writing uh, Galatians. Who is he writing to? Church of Galatians, which is Galatia. Anybody know where that is now? Modern day? Turkey. Turkey. Come on with it. Let's go. Modern day Turkey-ish. So, Paul had preached the gospel in these churches. He wrote to counter those who taught that Christians must be circumcised in order to be accepted by God. Okay, so that's a big thing to think about here. Libby said, okay. (laughs) That's a big thing to think about here. He wrote to Christians who thought that you had to be circumcised to believe in God, which would be the, the Jewish tradition, right? So, what would that be in our kind of mindset today? Who would that person be? So as I'm reading this, who would be someone that's like, man, you got to be circumcised in order to, to know the Lord, follow the Lord, walk with the Lord? It reminds me of the body that thinks you have to be baptized. Right. Okay. It reminds me of some people in the church I grew up in. Like, you wore pants at church. You were like a bad Christian yeah. coming to church. Like, don't do that. Yeah. Like, if you are not in a suit and tie, you don't love the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, right? Legalists, right? Everybody knows the legalist. Legalist is adding what to Scripture? Just adding anything, rules and all this kind of stuff. So they, it would be the legalist of the day. Now, liberalism is what? Taking away. No, 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 I don't have to love my neighbor. I just, I got to believe in God, grace, let grace abound, right? That would be liberalism. Legalism would be adding to. I need to wear pants. I need to wear a suit and tie. I need to be at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday women's, Wednesday night, Thursday morning men's, otherwise I don't love the Lord. Now you do need to be, no, I'm just kidding. Um, you, do, you do have to watch all those sorts of things. But that's basically who he was talking to. And so what Paul began doing in, in this kind of chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, in chapter 1 and 2, he's kind of defending his apostolic authority. You can imagine Paul's background, he probably had to do that a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I killed all of you before, but <laughs> I'm an apostle. Come again? Right? Anybody know that? My background. You know my background. You know all these sorts of things. Yeah, 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 I know I did this prior to this, but. right. We should all have a little bit of that background. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And, and as we go through in this sort of area, this is what Paul's doing in chapters 1 and chapter 2. He's kind of defending his apostolic authority. Then uh, it, he made it clear that all believers, Jew and Gentile alike, not just the legalists, not just the circumcised, can enjoy complete salvation in Christ. That's what he does in chapters 3 and 4. He's breaking down, hey man, I I know you have these legalists around you, but you don't absolutely have to be in a suit and tie in order to love the Lord on Sunday morning. It, It is okay if you do not do this thing that we've added to Scripture or that thing that we've added to Scripture or whatever it is. So he's doing that in chapter 3 and 4. And then in chapters 5 and 6, he kind of closes out by showing how the gospel of grace leads to true freedom and godly living. And so when he's doing that, the central message here is kind of how a person is not justified by their works, but justified by what Christ did on the cross. Okay. Then in chapter 5, at the very end of it, he's walking through how to walk by the Spirit in our, our daily lives. right? Because now, I, I believe that you're an apostle. I believe what you said. I believe the gospel's for me. I embrace that. And then chapter 5, he says, okay, 
The gospel is for me. Now what do I do? What do I do with that? How do I walk with that? How do I go alongside? What is this Christian life like? What does this Christian life do for me? And how do I do it daily? How do I pick up my cross daily and follow those sorts of people? And so Paul wrote this letter sometime around AD 45, 48 and 55. So it's, it's fairly close afterwards, right? So he's going through all this sort of stuff. Paul, again, wrote uh, a lot of the letters in Scripture. And so um, immediately preceding this chapter, Paul says, I'm just going to read the, the last part of it, to walk by the Spirit, okay? So walk by the Spirit. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We talked about the flesh and worldly things over in this group. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. As I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So let us not, amen. So let us not provoke one another or envy one another. But then he turns into chapter 6 and says, okay, don't do this, but do what? Bear one another's burdens, right? And so here is what not to do. That first part, by the way, if, if you just read those, uh, if you read the works of the flesh, I mean, basically anything you want right there, right? Oh, yeah, well, I'm good. I don't have orgies or anything like that. But what about fits of anger, right? What, what about any of that? I, I, it's just, it covers everything. What about divisions? What about dissension? Okay, any of those things. We're all in that camp. That's works of the flesh. But then he says, do this. Then again, he says, don't do this. And then in chapter 6, he says, do this. And so that's where he starts out. Brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression. So here's what I want to do. What is transgression? Sin. Okay. Um, those caught without transgression in the room, just raise your hand real quick. Okay. So basically, everybody is encamped in this part, right? He's talking to everyone in this room because we all have sin that we are caught up in, Right? Okay, so this to me would say, okay, I need to pay attention. Okay, this says transgression. I have transgression, so I need to pay attention. No matter what that transgression is, right, I need to pay attention to it somehow. Because this is applicable to me. If anyone is caught in any transgression. So now, legalists like to categorize our transgression, right? Well, if you do this, it's like category one. If you do this, it's category two. And then down here is category three. That's okay. We're all right by that. Just as long as you don't have category one or two, you're accepted in my, my community, my authentic community, right? Or my very inauthentic community, okay? And so this says any transgression. So anything that is sinful, anything that is before the Lord, anything that you know God doesn't want you to do, that's sins of omission and sins of commission. Does everybody know what I'm talking about there? There are sins of omission, which are what? I'm just ignoring what I'm supposed to do. This says to love my neighbor, but I'm gossiping about my neighbor in my home. I'm gossiping about the way they keep their yard. I'm gossiping about the way they treat their kids. I'm gossiping about the way they keep their lights on. I'm gossiping about all this kind of stuff. 
I have omitted from what I'm supposed to be doing, which is loving my neighbor, and I'm not. So I, I've just omitted that portion. I'm not doing it. That's a sin, right? Or even if it's, you're not gossiping, because that's kind of the commission, right? That's a sin of commission, is the gossip is sinning about it. But maybe you just don't do anything, but you just never talk to your neighbor. You never do anything. You don't even know their names. You don't know their kids' names. You don't know where they work. You don't know where they're from. That's not bad, Chris. I just I go home and I, I hang out with my family. Yeah, but the Bible says to love your neighbor. Can you love your neighbor if you don't know anything about them? Can you love your neighbor if you're not praying for them? Can you love your neighbor if you're not intentionally reaching out to build a relationship with them? So that's a sin of omission. The sin of commission would be talking about, right? Or maybe like, you know, not weed-eating their part, you know, just because that one little strip just gets you, drives you nuts, you know. By the way, just, just tangent over here, like, you know, there's like one strip in between every house. Kills me when, like, people don't cut that. I'm like, really? Like... It's like that wide. Like it's one more pass. Like, can you not just cut that? Like, what's the deal here? Like, I, I just don't get it. Anyways. So I know, right? I guess that's where they bring their dog, right? And so when you look at that, it's it's any transgression. Okay? So let me talk about this. What's a burden? This says bear one another's burdens, but what do you think of when you think of burden? Problems. Problems? Who's problem? Weight? Okay. Yeah, everything. Like you're like that poor donkey. For yeah, I'm glad we say that. Uh, so yeah, but like I mean, it's just like plodding along, like Eeyore. You're like you feel bad for Eeyore walking along with everything on his back. That's a burden. That's a huge burden. Burden is something that is carried, a load, right? A duty or a responsibility, something oppressive or worrisome. Right? So it doesn't even have to be a problem, but just something that has got you worried and anxious or whatever it may be. The bearing of a load, usually used in the phrase beast of a burden. That was a beast of burden. Uh, capacity of, for carrying cargo. So uh, this, this bearing one another's burdens is something that we all face. Right? Who, show of hands, has some sort of burden in your life right now? So, so every, every single one of us have some burden that's in our lives. Some may be worse than others. Some may seem insignificant. Some may seem more significant. But the fact of the matter is we all have some sort of burden. A lot of moms this week have kids starting school, right? There's a, a big worrisome attitude there about how they'll adjust, how they'll do, what, how they'll respond to the teacher, all those sorts of things. A lot of people right now with the burden of that going into school this week. I, we have a teacher that loves Paxton. It's, uh, Paxton is getting trips first grade teacher, I mean, I'm sorry, kindergarten teacher, and so I keep telling her, Libby has become really good friends with her, her name's Ms. Dowdle, and uh, they've become real good friends, they hang out in the summer and all that kind of stuff, they have kids that are our age, and so we hang out with them every now and then, and Libby will do like, you know, Chick-fil-A dates every now and then and stuff, and so going over there, and so I keep telling Ms. Dowdle, I'm like, hey, I just need you to know Paxton is not trip. <laughs> like, my little type A OCD, always going to do what you say, tells on himself, is not anywhere around this kid you're about to get. He's going to be lying and deceitful and crazy, and he's going to stir up everybody else in the room, not for love and good works, right? Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. She's oh, yeah, 
God. I'm like, I don't think you understand. And so there's a little bit of, of worrisome there. Like, we're going to lose friends over, you know, Paxton. Uh, we're not really. But uh, so when we look at this first part, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Do me a favor. In your head, think right now of someone you know other than yourself or your spouse. Family member, friend, co-worker, whoever it may be. Think of someone that you know is caught up in a transgression. Okay, any transgression. Maybe it's continual gossip. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's drunkenness. Maybe it's deceit or lying or materialism or any of those things. Okay, think about that person in your head right now. Picture them. Imagine them. Know the conversation that you would have with them when you talk about their transgression or whatever it may be. Okay, does everybody have it? You might not have somebody in their mind. Anybody's just like, man, everybody I know walks on water. Okay, so one thing. That's what we call prompting of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So the Holy Spirit just laid someone on you to hear what we're about to talk about. Okay? So this burden that we're about to talk about is now on who? You all. Okay? So I want you to think about that as we talk about this. I set you up. I know. Right? Sorry. Uh, So if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. Okay, so this you who are spiritual, what does that mean? Believer. Not just a believer. This is not for the faint of heart. Okay? Bearing a burden of someone else that is caught in transgression is not for your average apathetic Christian that's not reading, praying, or, or in an intimate walk with the Lord. I know weekly we talk about getting in the Word, read, pray, talk to God, do these things. One of the reasons is because that person that is laid on your mind right now, you owe it to them to be a spiritual person walking intimately with Jesus Christ because you, as he says right here, are to what? You are to restore him. You see, God uses spiritual people walking with him to do his work. That's the role of Christianity. He uses average, everyday people like us to come alongside the work that he is doing and help brothers and sisters that are caught up in lostness or caught up in sin or caught up in whatever it is in their lives. But it's not for the faint of heart. So this either does one of two things. You've got to step back and go, am I spiritual to help that person that God just laid on me? Am I there? Am I ready? Now, I caution you. Don't sit there and say, well, no, I'm not ready. Because you'll always just go, what? I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. But we're supposed to be proactive here in being ready. We're supposed to be proactive in being spiritual, in having an intimate walk with the Lord, right? Because what he says here is you who are spiritual should restore him in what? A spirit of what? Gentleness. So that means, hey, Josh, get over this stuff that you're doing, you moron. What are you thinking? Right? Pretty gentle. Right? Anybody anybody receive that? Right? Like you're like, oh, praise God for Chris. Approaching me like this with this deal. 
Hey man, I saw you out the other day. What are you thinking, you idiot? Don't you know that the Bible says? That's warm, fuzzy. I mean, I just, I got, oh, I just feel the love from that, right? That's not gentleness. What does it mean to be gentle in approaching someone that's caught in a transgression? Well, in my Bible, it says the word restore is the same word that's used for setting broken bones. Yeah. So I would think very, you know, softly, not pulling it. Yeah. It's the analogy I have too. That that Greek word is the word for restoring broken bones. So, um, doctors, you know, we have. So, anybody ever had a bone replaced? Like, I mean, placed back in? Right? They were like real aggressive, right? They're just like, you know, just jamming it back in place, right? Wrong. I mean, it's not. Now, if they want to break a bone to put it back in place, what do they do? Then they start to, like, jack with it a little bit. But that's not restoring the broken bones in place. That's having to break it so that you can restore. The restoring process is pretty gentle. They've got to get it just right, right? You've got to move it and place it right at the same time. Then you've got to hold it real softly, right, to put a cast or a brace or whatever else is it back on it. Like, it's a very delicate process after that bone is broken. And so that's what he's talking about here. It's approaching another brother in love. I've got to approach someone in love, right? If I don't speak truth in love, no one is ever going to listen to me, right? They're not going to receive what I have to say. They're not going to receive what I have going on. If I don't speak truth in love, they will never hear what I'm saying. All of this stuff about Trump and Hillary and all this other stuff, if you want to get me really fired up, Talk about our religious leaders that are not acting like religious leaders in the way that they approach some of the articles and blogs and stuff that they're writing. I don't care who you vote for and what you believe. But the fact of the matter is, when you use words like their campaign is vile sewage, there's a religious leader that said Trump's campaign is vile sewage. Well, you really got an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody after calling them vile sewage, right? Hey, Dan, man, you look like vile sewage. But let me tell you about Jesus. That just doesn't happen. Right, And so you've got to speak the truth in love or no one is ever going to listen. And the same thing is true. That person that God laid on your heart, right, for the spiritual one to restore them, you must approach them with gentleness. You much must approach them in love. That may mean coffee. That may mean multiple coffees before you even start to talk about it. If you don't have a relationship with this person, you don't just go, hey, man, can we have coffee? Hey, man, I'm glad you had, came to have coffee with me. I just I want to approach you in love and just say that you need to stop doing this. They've got to have some respect. You've got to build a relationship there, right? You've got to have relational gentleness, speaking truth in love with the people that you know are caught up in any transgression, okay? This, this doesn't happen overnight. This doesn't happen just periodically. This just doesn't happen sporadically. Like, you, you've got to be intentional about doing this, right? You've got to think about what you're going to say, how you're going to act, how you're going to respond. But the fact of the matter is, guys, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, that person God laid on your heart, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So number one, get after being spiritual. Get after it. Stop waiting. Stop saying I'm not ready. Stop saying I don't want to do this and get after being the spiritual person God has called and designed you to be, which is exactly what we talked about. I know one thing about all of us, an authentic Christian life is someone that is spiritual and walking intimately with the Lord. It's the number one value we place at our church at Bellevue, intimacy with Jesus. 
everything we want to do is to draw people to an intimate walk with Christ. Therefore, get after it, number one. And number two, approach them in love. Don't yell at them. Don't be the Pharisees. Don't be all of those sorts of people, right? Uh, John 8, 3 through 5, uh, this was the way the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. It says, The scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, uh, they said to him, Teacher, this woman who has been caught in an act of adultery, now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? That, that would probably not be that gentleness that we need to approach. Like, you know, whoever God laid on your heart, don't be like, Hey, Chris, bring him to class next Sunday. Stoning them in the back. We're just going to do it. I'll bring the stones. You don't worry about it. We're going to bring them. We're going to do that. How about Acts 21, 27 through 29? It says, When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and defiled his holy place. For they had previously seen all of these people within the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. So these are people that they thought, again, were caught up in transgression, teaching false laws. So what do they do? Bring them before everybody. Reveal all their sin, right? I'm just going to subtweet them on Twitter or Facebook. We'll talk about that sin they're doing. I'll just sub- They'll know who it is. Yeah, and so will everybody else that you're friends with. So that's a great way to throw somebody under the bus and approach them with gentleness, Right? We don't want to do that. We don't want to be the people that are bringing people's sins out in front of everyone else without having first approached them with gentleness. Okay? That's pretty clear, right? All right. So, second, my Apple battery is low. We'll get it. Okay, what does it say? Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear a burden. Fulfill the law of Christ. So this first one is this, this sin we're caught up in. But then, are there some things that we have that are not necessarily sinful that are still burdens? Right? Anybody? Parent with cancer? Someone dying? Like, th- those are burdens. Right? Can't cook? Caught up at home? Busted up my leg? I don't know. You know, don't know what to do. Right? We're watching kids dealing with gimpy, you know, and uh, those, are, those are burdens, but they're not sins, right? Josiah didn't sin. I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe the Lord struck him down, possibly, you know. But, but the fact of the matter is that that's not a sin, but that's a burden placed on his family now. Maybe not because of anything that they have done, but just because of, of God's design and plan. That's a burden that they are bearing. Whose responsibility is it to help them carry that burden? Ours. Why do you think we do meals for people that have babies? Is it sin to have a baby? No, so that's not sinful. So this is different from verse 1. But there's a burden between having a baby, right? It's called lack of sleep. Brain doesn't function right. Satan attacks the home, like, right? I mean, it's just like, it's just, blah. I mean, we don't even have the baby yet. And there's, I mean, like, we're fighting over colors of gray and pink and what shade. I don't care. Like, the baby's going to sleep in here. Like, she's not going to wake up and go, wrong shade of pink. It's just not going to happen. But Satan's already attacking because we're dealing with pink shades on the wall. Don't get me started. Love you, babe. She's, she's downtown. Don't tell her about this. Uh, no, but bearing one another's burdens. When we bear one another's burdens, what does it say at the end of verse 2 there? We fulfill. What's the law of Christ? Love one another. He talks about it in verse 5, I think. 
uh, I mean, chapter 5, verse 14, he says, For you were called, brethren, uh, you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but, throughout love, uh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love. When, when we do that, when we say, man, who, who could help me bear this burden, right? When you, when you do that, you're loving someone else the way you would desire to be loved. Do unto others as? As you want them to do unto you, right? That's loving one another, the golden rule, right? We're going through this, and it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When we pick up the burdens of our other people, when we are authentic about our burdens to be carried, we give people an opportunity to fulfill the law of Christ. When I hide stuff, when I keep stuff away from everybody else, when I don't let everybody know what my burdens are, when I walk up to you and act like my life is perfect and I got all this stuff going on, I'm ruining a blessing for someone else. When I walk up, yeah, man, you're doing jobs, man, life's great. No, it's awesome. And we spent all day working on the nursery. It was the best thing ever. No, at all. Not even close. Right? <laughs> so I, I, I ruin an opportunity for Josh to say, man, I love to paint. And so I'm going to come over today, <laughs> 2 to 4. I love to paint. I'm going to come over today from 2 to 4 help you paint, man. I'll do whatever you want to. Is that bearing my burden? That's helping me bear my burden. But when I lie straight to his face and act like everything is perfect and my life's all put together and I got my little bow tie, my suit on, all this kind of stuff, then he just looks at me and goes, okay, well, I'll just move on. And then he goes to the other Christian that's just walking perfect, life's great. And he goes to the other one, walking perfect, life's great. My guy's just wanting to help somebody out, yet we're lying and not living authentically enough that we can even let him help another brother fulfill the law of Christ. And, and so think about not yourself, but think about the blessings that you ruin when you hide and lie, when you lie to everybody else. Because don't just think like it's, oh, I don't want them to know. You're lying. Like, like you're lying. You're sinning against God when you look another brother in the face and just say, yeah, man, everything's great. Marriage is awesome. Love it. Man, we're not sleeping at all with a new baby, but it's awesome. That's just a lie. Like, be real. Be authentic. Right? That's what he's talking about here. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is what? Nothing. He deceives himself. When I walk around thinking I'm, I'm either too good to let you know about what I got going on, I'm too conceited, too prideful, too selfish to make you think I'm weak, what am I really? Nothing. A donkey carrying a burden. Right? I, I'm, I'm using that, so... I'm claiming that scripture. I'm deceiving myself, I'm lying, and I'm nothing, is what scripture says. But what does it say? Let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Okay, I don't understand, Chris, because this last part just says, I mean, right up here we're saying bear one another's burdens, but down at verse 5 it's saying i got to carry my own load. That's garbage. What are you talking about? God, you contradict yourself. What do we mean here? Everybody's carrying everybody else's load and your load. That's what we say. Whose load is what to begin with? Yeah. So, therefore, everybody's it's everybody's load. This, this whole Christian walk isn't, like, for someone else to be carrying all your other stuff either, right? Not only are we all carrying each other's burdens, we all have loads to carry, right? Even if I don't have a load right now, I need to be carrying someone else's, so that is kind of my load, Right? That is what I'm doing. The body of Christ is hands and feet and arms and ears and all these things working together. 
So I do have a load right here, but this is also pointing to the fact that, you know what? There's some things you just got to do. Like, I, I don't need to go, hey, Travis, man, it's great. Hey, could you pray for me? Like, we just, hey, we're really struggling right now, and I just really want you to carry this burden for me. Could you please just do it? Then I just go back and never pray about it myself, never seek the Lord on it, never seek Scripture, never go to church, never get involved, never serve, never do anything. I'm trying to push my load on Him when I've got a load to carry on my own. God didn't say for you to go get everybody else to start praying for you and doing your work and serving and doing all these sorts of things, but He said that we have this stuff on our own to do. I've got to get in the Word of God. I've got to seek His face. I've got to serve the Lord. I have to do these things before I can just unload it all on everybody else. You ever like helped anybody with something and like you just you realize that they weren't even doing anything but you were doing all the work? Anybody ever done that? Like maybe moving a friend or your homework? Like kids. Let's think of kids doing homework. They said, Dad, would you help me with the homework? Sure, buddy. And like I end up doing all the homework. Like he's just watching TV. You know, I'm like, what is going on here? I try to do that to my parents all the time, but any of those sorts of things, right? Show me this. Do that. Honey, can you help me with this? And it, it turns into not, honey, can you help me? But honey, did good. thank you for finishing that, right? That's what he's talking about here also. I have burdens to carry on my own. I have things that I'm going to have to deal with. These burdens are so much for me, but yet there's so much I'm not even seeking the Lord on it. That's my load to carry. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, Okay. So, going from here, bearing our burdens, there's a couple things that we need to look at. Does carrying each other's burdens mean solving problems? No. No, it really doesn't. Bearing a burden may just be praying for someone, right? Or as in a husband's case, listening to your wife. Yeah. What does it look like to truly carry someone else's burdens? Practical. What does it look like? Give me one example. I mean, that's a great example. Sometimes carrying a burden is just listening. Yeah, just be there. Carrying a burden doesn't mean I fix someone's problem, right? You can't just take this magic pill and let it all be done. Sometimes we need to do things ourselves, carry our own load, right? So that we can and move forward with that. Which do you think is more difficult, to carry someone else's burden or allow someone to carry yours? For me, I'm as prideful as the day is long. It's to let someone else carry my burden. Delegation is the hardest thing for me in the world. Why let somebody else do it when what? I can do it right myself, right? I have to go back and just correct something. How many times have we heard that? How anti-biblical is that, right? I mean, me, this guy right here. Why let somebody else do it when I can just do it right and do it better myself? That's tough. It's really hard to let someone else carry your burden. It's really hard to be authentic and even let anybody know you have a burden. But Scripture commands it. You're ruining blessings when you don't do it. Pride is what will keep us from living authentically. We might be too proud to step under the burdens of another, or we might be too proud to open up and allow someone else to know us well enough to carry others and carry ours. In either case, pride is preventing us from living wide awake to the grace and mercy of God in our lives. We cannot be prideful. Now, here's another thing. All right, man, I had the Thomases. I carried that burden. I'm done. It's a one-time thing. It's continual. It's not even intermittent. It's continual. We need to be carrying. He didn't say, hey, carry someone's burden and be done. Carrying. 
carrying one another's burdens, right? So you got to ask yourself, whose burdens am I carrying? Whose burdens can I carry? And who can I let help me carry my burdens, right? you got to ask yourself those three things. Must ask yourself those three things. And the fact of the matter is, if you're not carrying anyone's burdens, not me, but the Holy Spirit laid somebody on your mind earlier. Now, here's the deal. Everybody wants their kids to obey their parents and the Lord for this is right, right? This is what we say to our kids. We teach this verse like over and over so they'll obey us. Well, God prompted you with someone on your mind to be a burden carrier for that person. If and when you do not, you are flat out disobeying God's command and prompt on your life. Follow up this week with whoever it was that God laid on your heart. Maybe it's just to let them know that you love them and you care for them, right? But if you ignore that, you're flat out disobeying God, okay? Let me pray. Father, you're good to us. Love you and praise you. Thank you for these men and women. God, you have carried every burden we ever need carried. God, you have got everything with shed blood on the cross that we are undeserving of. But yet you still somehow, some way, desire to use us, God, to carry others' burdens, to restore people, to be spiritual as you command us there. Father, use us. God, draw us to you. Encourage us in you. Let us have an intimate walk with you so that we can help restore others in their walk with you. God, I pray that every single one of us, whoever it is you laid in our hearts, God, that you give us a boldness and a confidence to help carry their burden this week, maybe even today, maybe as soon as we leave here, God. I love you and I praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.